Welcome to a Monday Night Chat Show. Today we're going to talk about uh, uh, cultures and cultural negotiations and things we need to understand about cultures, particularly Brits like me when we go overseas. I've actually spoken in 32 countries and I've been privileged to travel around the world and one or two rather strange things happened to me. I remember I was teaching in Dubai and I went up to this uh, Muslim lady in the burqa and everything else and I went to shake her hand. She put me straight back in my place and said, Derek, I'm sorry, we don't shake hands. And I got very embarrassed at that point. I should have done because she let me down very, very carefully. I was in Australia. I flew to Melbourne. I was jet lagged. I asked if I could have a lower room in a hotel, a 42 story hotel. They gave us a room on the top. I said, could I have a lower room please? And the lady said, I suggest you don't look out the window. I thought she was joking. No, she meant it. That's the sort of reaction sometimes you get in Australia. Um, in Estonia, I spoke in Estonia and I didn't get any reaction from the audience. It was only afterwards I learned that uh, people in Estonia are very polite. They won't ask questions, but afterwards they came up to me and said it was a wonderful talk. I was thinking I probably should have uh, left at the break because I was bombing and going down really badly. Tonight I've invited a few people who have experiences of uh, communicating, negotiating, doing business in, in different countries and I'm going to ask them to just consider on the first round and the first round we'll, we'll just consider customs others should know and traditions and we're going to go straight over to Tim from Texas just outside Dallas and uh, Tim, if you're there, could you tell us a little bit about Texas traditions and perhaps US traditions? I know Texas traditions are a little bit different sometimes from the rest of the USA. Tim, well, that's well, thank you. I'm very glad to be here, Derek. Yes, Texas is a little bit different than the rest of the United States. Um, it is the only state that was entered by treaty. Um, all other states were annexed. Uh, because it came in on treaty, it insisted that the flag will never fly lower than the American flag. It's the only state flag that is allowed to fly at the same height as the American flag. In terms of customs, um, it, relative to business, uh, uh, the American business environment now is gender free. That means that what used to be uh, more accommodating behavior is no longer, <clears throat> between genders is no longer true. For example, it used to be that women would not shake hands, not Muslim women, but women would not shake hands. Well, women definitely shake hands now. Um, it used to be that men would stand when a woman would come in the room. Everybody stands when somebody senior comes in the room. That's a very big uh, business custom. Um, another custom and a tradition that if you are traveling to the United States, I want to point out to you that it's likely that you will be invited or you may be invited to an event, be it a sporting event, a rodeo, a public event where the United States national anthem is played. And it is very important that you don't, you, you can sing along if you know the words, but it's not necessary for you to know the words. What is necessary and what I would stress is that like everybody else, you stand during the national anthem of the United States. And if you're wearing a hat, 
especially if you're a man, you would remove the hat. You don't have to put your hand over the heart. You don't have to do anything. But if you do stand and recognize the national anthem of the United States, you will gain incredible amount of goodwill, not just from your hosts, but from everybody around because they will notice that. As you are aware, probably, the kneeling during the national anthem is a major, a major news story and it has been for several years. Um, in, me, in my case, it's exercising free speech, but um, it just, just a little hint that if you're ever an event um, in America uh, where the national anthem is played, uh, traditions, uh, that's, a, that's a, a big tradition. In terms of holidays, the biggest holiday in the United States now, and, and this has evolved, is Thanksgiving, which is the, the last Thursday in November in the US. Um, and it is a, a holiday in which families get together and give thanks, not give thanks for America, give thanks for being a family and being free. So um, that is a, that's grown to be a very big tradition. Brilliant, Tim. We'll come back to you. We'll come back to you in a minute, but we have to uh, we have Go to on. move on. Um, actually, what you said there is uh, just um, being polite, isn't it? If standing for the country's national anthem that in the country you're in, but I can see some people might not do it. it sounds a bit uh, crazy to me, but um, yeah. And and if if, if it it just uh, you just don't want it to be perceived as arrogance sure. if you don't stand. It, it, ignorance we forgive. Arrogance we don't. And when I've attended the uh, national speaking conventions all over the US, I don't understand your sense of humor. So I'd like you to give us a, se a session on that one day because people are falling about laughing in conferences and I'm sitting there wondering what's going on. We're gonna cross the pond now to Paris. If you're there, John, uh, John Timms, can you give us a quick update for two or three minutes what we should know about France? Yes, indeed. Um, gosh, I uh, go through your list, uh, Derek. Uh, customs. Uh, I think the most important thing when you're dealing with the French is to be polite. I think that's a key issue. If you know a few words of French, that would be appreciated. I think this is general terms, but the French are particularly sensitive to the way people show their appreciation of the French language. Um, with regard to gifts, no, I would not recommend that. Remain neutral. Um, no, gifts are reserved for close friends um, within the family or close friends. So not, not, for business, not for business, you don't no. take a little gift. Okay, no. that's very no, interesting no, no. in some countries. But that might even be misconceived. Okay. okay. Mis, uh, that, would not, that would not go down. No, no, no. Um, how do people negotiate between hard and soft? Hmm. John, we'll come, back, we'll come back to negotiate. I'd like to cover negotiation all the time. My perception is that the French try and play hardball at the beginning and then back off. But let me know if that's right or wrong. Certainly the two experiences oh. I've had in Paris, um, there was a hardball negotiating going on. But actually, I'd like to... Uh, Switch to Mavet in Denmark now, if I may, Mavet, if you're there. I've met a number of uh, Danish people and they're very nice, very likeable people. And I read that uh, you have the highest uh, tax rate in Europe, but I also understand that um, you have the um, 
highest uh, health service and state looking after you, etc. Are you there? I am here. I'm here and I'm very delighted to be speaking tonight. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yes, we do have a very high uh, um, tax rate, uh, but we also do have a lot of privileges. In fact, I've been living uh, both in Turkey and London, and I have to say that I moved back to Denmark following a tenure in London because the quality of life is much higher here. Um, Danes, now I, the version that you get from me is actually uh, uh, very good because I'm born here uh, to Turkish parents. So I also see Danes a bit from the outside knowing their customs and cultures from the inside. Um, Danes, they, they would very much like to shake hand. And it's such an issue that before the pandemic, um, when people from outside the European Union, particularly Muslims, they were applying for Danish citizenship. It was a custom during the citizenship uh, giving ceremony that they shook hands and some of them refused to. And that was a, that was a huge debate, uh, uh, honoring the Danish traditions and honoring women and men as equal and so forth. I like to shake hands myself because the handshake tells me a lot about the other person. Uh, is a handshake firm? Is it soft? Is it, you know, are you present? Um, so I like that a lot. And actually, that's one of the things that I miss during this pandemic and will miss over the next few years, because I think and believe that unfortunately we, we will have to wait and see what happens. Um, and then another thing, another custom about Danes is they are not afraid of, of authorities at all. Um, years ago, I was working for an IT company uh, and it was one of my first weeks there. And I remembered that I had a problem with my computer. So I went to the IT department and just a few minutes after me, um, the CEO came in and he had big, huge problems and he was going to have a presentation. And then the guy just looks at him saying, you know, there's a queue. So if you just queue, I'll help you when it's your turn. So that is, and that was a very nice way uh, of demonstrating how, um, how Danes perceive authorities. They, they don't perceive them as, uh, as authorities and yet they have done so during the pandemic following order, so to speak. Thanks, Mavet. And John's put in, he loves the Danish H-Y-G-G-E tradition. I have no idea what that is. So can you clear it's, that up for us now? Hang on. I just have to see that. Uh, I love, oh, the hygge. Oh, absolutely. That is one of the main, um, main things about Danish tradition. Hygge means it's cozy. So Danes are very good at, even during meetings at negotiations, like, like, making sure that there are the right designs and everything is made comfortable for you. So it's very much about comfort. It's about sitting with a blanket, um, having, having some uh, uh, candle lid and some cookies and some coffee and so forth. Not during a meeting, obviously, but you will see the Danes, they care very much about their design, their interior, and how they present things. So during a meeting, you will find that a lot of the Danish officers, they are well equipped and they're very nice to look at. Very good. Okay, we'll be coming back to you on the negotiations because I know you've worked as a lawyer in both the UK and in Denmark. So I will be interested uh, in some of your experiences there. I'd like to switch now to Gregor in Slovenia, Gregor, if you're, if you're there. Um, yes. 
it was Yugoslavia when I grew up. So um, uh, <laughs> things have changed a bit, certainly. In fact, I had a lovely holiday in uh, Yugoslavia uh, just after I got married. <laughs> okay, so thank you, Derek, for inviting. So I would say that uh, here in Slovenia, we don't have some special customs or traditions. But I would say uh, being polite and showing respect is always good, yeah. So uh, what you mentioned now, Yugoslavia, so it's not very good if you mix something Slovenia and Yugoslavia because our country is this year 30 years old. So we are extremely proud to our 30 years history and talking about Yugoslavia and so on, it's not very good idea, I would say. <laughs> okay, well, I'll take a yellow card from Nigel on that. <laughs> so the, the other things is that we are also very, very proud to our high performance like Luca and other sportsmen and talking about them as a beginner, as an icebreaker is also very good. And of course, knowing few of our words because we are a small country, knowing, let's say, Ljubljana as the capital city or something, this will always help you. No, you're absolutely right. And it's a good point that John makes about knowing a few words. Absolutely crucial. I do remember having a lot of holidays in France and on several occasions uh, going up to someone and not attempting to say bonjour, madame, or whatever, and uh, kind of got blank. But if you went to bonjour, madame, ça va, or something like that, and that's all I know, um, you got an, an immediate greeting, really important. And uh, Gregor, when we met, I think I was speaking at that conference in Ljubljana and uh, I um, stole a couple of words that I had no idea what they were. Fantastic. Yeah, I told you I'm not really good at that. I just think it means fantastic, but uh, yeah. I got a good laugh and I got a lot of rapport at the uh, beginning of a six hour, six hour talk. Thanks for that. We'll come back exactly. to the negotiations in a minute. Eva, are you there in uh, New Mexico, in Albuquerque, New Mexico? Yes, I am in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And Derek. just to update everybody, Eva was born in Estonia, one of the Baltic states, and uh, went to America to study in, in a university, and you yes. stayed there, didn't you? But your mum and dad were brought mm -hmm. up under a pretty harsh communist Russian regime. Tell us a bit about both. All right, I will start with Estonia. But what, one custom that outsiders should be aware of is that small talk, at best, it's tolerated, and at worst, it cons it's considered rude. When you are in Estonia, get comfortable with silence. It, it's not a sign that they don't like you. It's a sign that they respect you and your privacy and your time. They don't want to take up any moments from deep thoughts that are going on in your head. <clears throat> any traditions, I think the greatest tradition in Estonia, the greatest holiday is the Midsummer Day. It makes sense if you think how dark it is for the better part of the year. So Midsummer Day, it's coming up in about a month here, is a huge celebration. When you travel that time, there will be people around. Most of them will all be tourists because Estonians are in the bushes somewhere celebrating. <laughs> and gifts, I think gifts are okay and money is okay. Even in a business setting, I mean, you wouldn't go in with a suitcase full of money. Hey, I'm here for a meeting. But they tolerate gifts pretty well. And in a more personal life, if you go to a birthday party, cash and gift cards are welcomed for the most part. Estonia is very practical. In the United States, me not being aware 
it's a no-no. They kind of, I, I mean, they're not going to say anything. Americans are so polite, but I know that they, it's a little bit offensive to them. But uh, when I first moved to Savannah, Georgia to study there, and that's considered deep south in the United States, I was pulled aside couple of weeks later and I was informed that it's rude to just march into somebody's office say hi and get right to the point you have to spend a little little bit of time on how your weekend was and and how's the weather what we consider as small talk so that was a big learning curve for me for sure and I agree with Tim I think Thanksgiving is the up-and-coming holiday and tradition here and I love 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 Thanksgiving a holiday that's really worth celebrating and when it comes to gifts I think they said come with an actual item and not so much with money or gift yeah okay great we'll come back to you on negotiation in a, in a little while but I think you told me that your uncle had never left the village that he'd been yeah. born in and it was a little tiny village somewhere in Estonia and he was horrified that you'd actually traveled the world oh absolutely and he's asking me now with more and more vehemence when is this american project going to be over and <laughs> little does he know little does he know yes <laughs> okay that's brilliant um let's turn to gabby and then let's turn to mike uh, gabby are you there from um i know you were born in gibraltar absolutely uh, hi there guys you better tell one or two people um how big gibraltar is uh, Gibraltar is two and a half miles from the top of it to the bottom of it. It is a peninsula on the bottom end of um, Spain. It suffers from bigitis, so it believes it is a nation uh, that is wonderful. And uh, it even has, I know you'll appreciate this, Derek, its own football team that's in FIFA. It is. No, you're right. You're FIFA, right. FIFA. Yeah. Um, in the World Cup. Well, in the World Cup, there you go, um, which just astounds me. <laughs> um, so Gibraltar is very much based on relationships and small talk is everything. Uh, knowing how the family are doing and what's going on in the family is really, really important. And the small talk is, is, uh, is key, actually. They tend to greet each other with um, kisses, hugs, embraces, um, and even informal meetings. So, you know, when I first went out there, I was working with a lot of solicitors and accountants and, and I would always start off with a handshake, but by the end of the meeting, at the end of the meeting, we would give kisses and even blokes would do the same. You know, it's, it's a, a bit like the, the Spanish. So for me, I know the med pretty well. So it's the Southern Spain. The southern France, they are very, very tactile um, versus um, the north, which is which is slightly different. Um, so it's all about relationship. Very often meetings are around food and drink and the same in Malta. You know, it's the med that that whole um, you would have a business meeting and it would move into lunch or you would have a business meeting over lunch. So being able to think whilst eating and drinking, really important, learning to eat with very small mouthfuls so that you can talk at the same time. Otherwise they have the upper hand. Um, and 
also um, having meetings outside around the swimming pool um, or by the sea. So I remember taking a colleague um, once and we were in sarongs and she said, what, we're meeting at the golf club, at the yacht club and um, we're going swimming. It's like, yep. Yeah. How are we going to do the meeting? I'll be in my swimming costume. It's like, well, you have to wear a sarong and you have to be happy and comfortable. So, you know, very, very, very different from what you would expect in, um, in many other places in the world. Fantastic. And if we if we cross the border and I do know an extraordinary situation when I played hockey there where I I was checked in at the airport and we crossed the border and I was having a dinner in a in a bar in Spain. And I was getting very jumpy that we weren't going to get across the border to get on our British Airways flight back to Heathrow. So uh, is, is it changed much at La Linea compared with Gibraltar? No, no, it's just an extension. Um, that time, I mean, time, their concept of time is very different. Um, often in professional meetings, I would always arrive on time because that's me. Yeah. But I would also be really chilled out sitting there for 20 minutes, half an hour. Well, waiting for them to arrive. Waiting for them to arrive. Okay. okay. Um, but equally, if if it depends who's it depends who's running the meeting you know sure. you kind of need to be there but you, you've got to be prepared that they might be late yeah um we'll, we'll be turning to the middle east in a minute and to tonight um, but i'm interested how did the gibraltarians who is now a green country we can we can go on holiday in gibraltar but we can't uh, cross the border into spain um how do they deal with no hugs and kisses and um all that um all that palaver so when I went out there in the middle of the pandemic, I, I didn't go over to Spain um, for those reasons. I couldn't. And if I did, I wouldn't be able to get back home. Um, but walking down Main Street, you know, people were hugging, but they were certainly everyone was elbow nudging or, you know, high, not high fiving, but whatever that is fist pumping yeah, sure. so they were still very tactile in in um within the bounds that they could be sure. uh, very much they'd give virtual hugs because they really wanted to hug each other it's it's just in their dna sure. in our dna <laughs> the last thing is that um gibraltar's been a british colony or independent territory for 350 years hasn't it since we uh yeah hold it off of morocco didn't we not even spain or whatever treaty it was yes. um, um but it's still very spanish despite the fact that 350 years has gone by as it's been um been part it's, of britain yeah it's a real mix i mean it's one of the the only places that i know and i'm not particularly well traveled where all the cultures from a religious perspective really work and respect each other so there's a, a very strong um, orthodox jewish section there's a very strong hindu section there's a very strong islamic section um, there are many more buddhists now that seems to be growing and the yoga side of things is growing very i mean the, the catholics are almost orthodox catholics um, and there's also Anglicans that seem to be, it was always there, but it seems much more prolific now. But they do a lot of multi-faith um, events. 
so it is that really that, that it's all about embracing difference and respecting fantastic um mike are you there because mike uh, mike williams has run banks and and done a lot of business in the middle east and also in japan if you if you there mike um being on time you don't need to be on time do you in the middle east um it actually helps it depends i think one thing i'd say about the middle east is is um certainly in the uae um the business climate there is is a mixture of different nationalities and actually that maybe a little bit like Gibraltar in a way, but a bit of a melange of um, GCC Arabs and um, Indians and subcontinentals and uh, people from the Levant, from Lebanon and Palestine. And, and that, that makes life a little difficult in trying to work out the appropriate approach. But um, uh, I think punctuality is important wherever. I mean, you know, it's inbred, isn't it, for many of us? And I think it's... Um, it doesn't uh, doesn't hurt to show interest, but you have to be prepared, I think, for uh, no shows and for late changes and uh, for more pressing engagements, particularly when you're dealing with somebody relatively important, um, you know, dealing with a shake or two that um, quite often you'll find that, you know, they're, they're, they're summoned to the palace. You never know whether it's true or not, but actually you, you have to be prepared to be a little bit flexible in timing. Politeness is important. I mean, I think it's a given everywhere, but I think uh, it's really important in, in the Gulf. Um, humility, to a certain extent, I've, I've said before on a couple of these things that there's a tendency, I think, for people to talk down, perhaps, to people and assume that, you know, if we're from the West, we know better than them, but that clearly you have to respect their traditions and cultures. Um, and on those traditions, I think there are certain things that are helpful. I'm talking about the Gulf. I'll, I'll perhaps touch on Japan a bit later if you want, but on, on the Gulf. So uh, seating arrangements are important, recognising that there, it's a very hierarchical environment so that you have to show up the utmost respect for very senior people. Um, and they have this thing with coffee um, that at meetings they'll come around with one of these sort of... Um, metal containers with uh, gaba, the coffee made with cardamom, and you'll have these little cups to drink it out of, and it's, unless you hate the stuff, it's polite to have one, and then, and then to ask for a refill. But before you have it, you should make sure that the person next to you has the chance to have it before you run. So there's this polite game you play, and say, you go first, no, you go first, you, and it's this little ceremony almost. I'm quite Japanese, but I mean, it's a very important part of the etiquette there. And then when you've had enough coffee, you just shake your cup and stops them refilling it. So it's, I've said before, I think observing how people perform in these environments is really important. And uh, I think you pick it up as you go along, really. Um, what I was going to say, gifts, uh, I don't think gifts are particularly important other than if you are invited to somebody's house for dinner or for something for a reception it's best to take a gift you don't take a bottle of wine i, I suggest that probably wouldn't be a very good idea uh, but send flowers i mean I, I i remember we hosted a reception when i was over there and i've never seen so many bunches of flowers we we had to put them on the stairs we had nowhere to put them so it's just uh, it's a thing there and of course it's 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 much appreciated and uh, costs a fortune but you know you have to do that but those sort of things uh, people remember and, and the other thing I would say is 
Um, it takes a long time to build relationships there. Uh, when we come to negotiating, perhaps we'll touch on this, but, but you're not going to be people's best friend quickly. Small talk is a really important part of the etiquette there. So you, you'll spend time asking about not too many intimate questions, but it's polite to ask about family. It's polite just to talk. Don't talk about the weather because that's a tendency for all of us, isn't it? But you can find, because it's going to be hot. Um, talk about some, find some common ground. Football is, is really popular there. So, you know, if you, and they will all support one of the big teams. So, you know, it's just, you know, there's not many people support Arsenal, Derek, I'm afraid, but there's understandable reasons for that. Um, so you were going to say that, Mike, I was just waiting for it. <laughs> um, and um, I think that's probably it. I mean, I can come back to it a bit later. Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. That's brilliant. I'm, I'm going to go around again now, but uh, I'm conscious the clock is ticking. Like to know about negotiating. And you know what I mean? When I say negotiating, I mean presenting, pitching, selling, influencing, haggling, and the whole thing that goes around that interpersonal skills of doing business with people, getting on with people having relationships so I don't mind any of those bits that you pick out I've got the bell with me so I'll ring the bell after two or three minutes so we can go around and give everybody a chance but also there's some people on the call who uh, who will have a lot of experience that I haven't brought in yet so Tim over to you two minutes uh, in uh, Texas well uh, I would say generally speaking Americans are bad negotiators compared to the rest of the world compared to Asians certainly compared to people in the Middle East uh, compared to South Americans, where it's a very fine art. Um, but we do negotiate in a couple of areas. We negotiate when we're buying cars, or we try to. And we used to negotiate, or I guess we still negotiate in real estate, but it depends on the strength of the market, whether your buyer's in the negotiating, better negotiating person, or whether it's the seller. Um, right now in the U.S., especially in my area, um, the worst negotiating position you can imagine is being a buyer um, because uh, people are paying full price, uh, 40, 40 bids on one house um, within a week is not unusual. The house next door to me was listed at a certain price and somebody came in with $101,000 higher than asking price cash and, um, and, and they took the deal. So um, two big areas, uh, car buying and, but that's it. I'm buying uh, window dressings. My wife and I are buying window dressings. The guy gives us a price. We don't ask him to go down. If we don't like the price, we say, is there something that might be a little bit less for this window or something like that? It never dawns on us to negotiate on furniture or home furnishings, anything like that. Uh, clothing, if I buy a number of suits and shirts, I will ask for a tie or two. But um, if I just buy one suit, the price is the price. Now, that could be my failing, uh, my, my personal. But relationship, um, it seems like we would damage the relationship if we ask for a lower price. Okay, by, Tim, time up, time up. Tim, we'll be back to you uh, later. Thanks very much indeed. Um, now to France, to John, where I... I thought all French people were hardball negotiators, John. Did I get that wrong? Here we go. Uh, uh, yes and no. Um, from my experience of international negotiation, uh, the emotional side of negotiation is 
probably far more important than the rational side. And this leads me to the conclusion that some of the best negotiators are those that play on both sides of the coin uh, in a very dynamic fashion. And I think I would rate the Chinese, probably the Brits, possibly also the French in as top in the world as negotiators. Basically because there's a lot of dynamics going on between the emotional side of what is taking place within the negotiation and the rational side. When you look at the French, uh, they are very gifted, particularly in the emotional side of negotiation rather than the rational side. Strange enough, because rationality was originally a French invention with Descartes, uh, hence the adjective Cartesian. But this is the strange thing about the French. They are remarkably good in some areas where they think they are ignorant and they are remarkably backward in areas where they think they've been the foremost. And this I think, is part of the makeup of when you're dealing with the French in negotiation, which to other nationalities appears so difficult. Um, in other words, when you negotiate with a different culture, you must have, in my opinion, a very deep and ongoing experience of that culture more than anything else. And the educational values that have gone into the educational culture of the people you're dealing with. In other words, get to know them intimately. Otherwise, you might make a mistake. Now, I think that's true of all cultures, but it's particularly true of the French, and I would say also the Brits, and, and of course, very true of the Chinese, Chinese and Japanese. Brilliant. Thanks, John. Time up. Um, now to Denmark, that nice country, just um, with, with the Germans below them. Um, yeah. Mavette, are you there? Um, what's your view? I am here. I am here. Uh, you know, I have uh, negotiated with Germans and I, and I didn't particularly have any fun because one of the keywords for Danes is they like having fun and they like having fun in negotiations. Um, Danes, though they like having fun, they're actually not very good at small talking um, or small talks, which I uh, didn't touch upon previously. But they're not so they're very much to the point um they're so much to the point that it may come across as being rude uh which they can be uh as well but not as rude as the dutch people the way i see it um and they are not easily offended um they they like to be very ironic and have fun and make jokes along um, but when they meet you, the first thing, they'll shake hands and they'll go to the point and then they like to have fun and a great dialogue during the negotiation process. I would say that they are fairly good at negotiation um, to the point that they, well, they have become and they have become much better in uh, acknowledging other cultures, uh, which, I mean, I have seen a huge leap uh, within the past 10, 20 years. They have really, really changed. Uh, EU has helped a bit, uh, not to the better, I think, um, because within the EU, and I've, I've actually worked in a Scandinavian company where I saw the difference between Danes and Swedes and Norwegian, which can be really, really huge. Um, 
when I said um, that, yes, they are not very easily offended. So you can come a very long way uh, in uh, putting pressure on them uh, and they won't take it personally, which is a very good trade, I think. Um, some of them, I think that's down to your person as well. Uh, but some of them, they like being push, uh, pushed uh, to a degree where they actually get some takeaways and they learn from it. And they like to grow. Thank you. And I know you're going to come back at some stage because you told me that you negotiated uh, um, the sale of, um, of um, a stake in an airline, didn't you, as well, um, at some stage. Okay. So thanks for that. And um, thanks for joining us today for the first time. I hope you can come and join us again. Uh, now, where have I got to? I think we're going to Slovenia next, aren't we, to Gregor, unless I've got my list wrong. That's correct. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that uh, we Slovenians, we are somehow avoiders. So people do not like to negotiate. Usually they say, give me a proposal by email, especially not negotiate in person. Yeah, send me an email and I will check your proposal and I will call you. Of course, this call then never comes. Yeah, so you need to be very cautious, let's say, to be in contact with your guy on the other side to check what is the status of your offer and so on. So most of the time you will get this, that decision will be made before you will even get the real feedback because people, because they don't like or they don't know how to negotiate. They don't even expect that somebody will negotiate with them. Yeah. Uh, so you must be careful. Yeah. If you give your offer, I would say you must give pretty good offer because sometimes you will not get the feedback if, if your offer is good or okay, or they will call you back or they will not call you back. So we are also very competitive when it comes to the negotiations. So people want to win every time, yeah. And very rarely we go into the collaboration or to collaborative negotiations where we could find the good solution for both. Yeah, like Derek, you are saying win-win for all, yeah. But most of the time at the end, we will split the difference, yeah, that nobody will be offended or something like that, yeah. So some days also some ego is coming in. So it depends also on the people with whom you negotiate, let's say. So there are some people who got a lot of property or a lot of uh, money, let's say, after the independence and they can be very arrogant and egoistic, uh, I would say. Um, so if I can say, let's say with the large international camp companies, so when you negotiate with them, so these are locals, but they think that they're always right because they work for a big international companies and they think that they always have to win. And so, so that's also a little bit, I would say the background from the East, East European countries, yeah, like uh, Eva was saying yeah, that um, we were under the, not so much under the Russian influence, but I would say rather socialistic or communist influence and I feel a lot of mistrust in these uh, relationships and negotiations. Thanks, thanks, Gregor. And I'll remember never to mention Yugoslavia again. Um, <laughs> and thanks for that tip. I'm learning a lot of uh, information here. And for those of you that don't know where Slovenia is, it's a very interesting country, sort of jammed in between uh, Austria and, um, and Italy. And also, uh, I'm not sure what's on the right-hand side, Hungary, I guess, Hungary. 
and a lot of different cultures historically from the Austro-Hungarian Empire, etc., etc. Also from you... ex-Yugoslavia, a lot of people are coming there. It's uh, quite a mixture of the cultures. Yeah. So if anybody will come to Slovenia, he should call me. I will take you around. We're, we're all coming, okay? We're all coming. Why not? Why not? A big bus. No okay. problem. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Um, and Welcome. I think we go to... Um, we go to Ava now in New Mexico, and Ava's interestingly a real estate broker. Um, for me, that's an estate agent, of course. But Ava, I understand the property market's gone absolutely crazy in America at the moment. Yes, the it is absolutely crazy. The, it, it's interesting to see how people behave when the pressure is on. But coming to the whole cultural aspects of this all, I like what Mervet, you were, say, you were saying, that the Danes don't get offended and Estonians don't get offended either. It's almost a, a bad form to bring too many emotions into a negotiating situation. Also, I like what Gregor said, the mistrust is always there. When you go to negotiate with Estonians, you start with negative trust. There is no, you have to start building up trust. They don't give you any leeway and they're very rational. They don't talk a lot and they will not explain their um, decision-making process to you. So they leave the emotion out of it. But the good thing is that they can give it. They are, I think, borderline rude when it comes to negotiating, but they can take it as well. And you don't have to worry about offending anybody. Americans, very different. They get offended so easily and it's... Most of my job is de-escalating the emotions, and especially now when we are working with buyers in this market, de-escalating the decision, uh, the emotions in the process, and guiding the public to uh, trying to at least bring a little bit of rationality into decision making when they are negotiating in the real estate world. But yes, in, in Americans are way more emotional and. Tim, as you said, no haggling. It, it's a set price, that's what we pay. And surprisingly, I'm married to a, a man whose father is Italian and mother is Austrian. So he is from a very different cultural background and he haggles. We go to a general grocery store and if he finds bad fruit, he'll go and look for the manager. He's gonna negotiate the price, which to me is not offensive. To Americans, it's offensive. Like his family will disappear and disown him for this, but. I don't really care. Let's leave the emotions out of it, right? Well, we better get to you and Tim back on in a month or two's time and talk about the USA property market because 101, that's called gazumping in this country where you offer more than the, uh, more than the ice cream price, 101,000 pounds. But these aren't realistic numbers, presumably, are they? You know, um, in the UK, you look at the yield you can obtain on the investment uh, if you were letting it out. So it's interesting how things have gone absolutely, uh, absolutely. Well, there's part of the reason, Derek, is that there's a lot of people coming from California where they sold their house, a small ranch for millions. And they come here and they can buy uh, a much bigger home with a pool, possibly even greater amenities um, for five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000. And so they just bid because they want that. They've, they've never dreamed of having that. They're moving from 1,400 square feet to 4,000 square feet. Oh, I see. Okay. And they'll have a lot of money left over. Is that correct, Ava? Are you seeing that? Well, well, we'll turn to Gibraltar now, where you're lucky to actually get a postage stamp just by the airport to watch the uh, 
to watch the airplanes taking off or the or the RAF tornado. So I don't think it's an RAF base anymore. Gabby, are you there? I am indeed. Um, so uh, negotiating in Gibraltar, it really does depend on the company that you're negotiating with. So it is very much relationship led. Um, and as I said, because there are only the last I heard, it was 29,000 people that live inhabitants of Gibraltar. I believe they also ship in 10,000 Spaniards on a daily basis to, to work there. So it does depend who you're negotiating with. Um, and it's very much around the relationship. So in my experiences, when I was working with Gibraltarians, I'd built up the relationship. I knew them. I would go in at the price and they would pay the price. Didn't have to do any haggling at all. Um, but I would also refer business to them. So there was very much that kind of reciprocity going on. Um, however, if you went to the gaming companies, and I've just read uh, Nigel's um, question, you know, the gaming companies, they had people coming in from all over the world working there, and they were tight, very, very tight. They wanted you to work for peanuts, basically. So you would go in, you would, if you went in too high, they would just say no. So you'd have to reduce the price to a level that was slightly above what you, your walk away position um, and, and be prepared to ski down. Whereas in Malta, where Gibraltar and Malta are very strongly connected because of the shipping, historic shipping, in Malta, it, they are much more Arabic in their, their way of negotiating. So they play hardball and you go in high and you are, you've got to be prepared that you're going to come down at least 50%. And then once you've agreed what you want um, and you sign the contract, then they, they do, I think you call it, um, is it nibbling? Nibbling, yeah. Nibbling. So it's kind of, okay, this is what we agreed. But seeing as you're going to be over here, can you just bring the book? Oh, and can you just give this? And can you just do that? And can, with no extra charge. So the Maltese I found really, I've really had to hold my nerve um, because there's no emotion to go back to what your, your other speakers are saying. Whereas in Gibraltar and in Spain, it's much more emotional. Um, and it's a, it, an emotional way of buying and selling. Okay, that's brilliant. Thanks. I've got to ask you this one, though, because uh, um, Spain was going to close the border over Brexit with uh, Gibraltar. We heard a lot about that, didn't we? And uh, um, You can't believe everything in the news, though, Nigel. Oh, I know. 10,000 people crossing the border every day. And uh, uh, that's... Uh, do they have to walk across the airport as well? And um, Still? Wow. Yeah, yep. They, they've built the tunnel and um, that allegedly is going to open by the summer. Oh, okay. Maybe next year. Oh, I quite like walking across the airport. I've never walked across a runway before. Uh, and talking about that, I played hockey with uh, Mike Williams in Gibraltar. Um, I gave him a lot of passes, but he never scored a goal from all my fantastic passes. Mike, uh, um, are you there? Are you going to tell us about uh, negotiating in the Middle East? Well, I remember negotiating with you who's going to buy the next beer, but that's a different story, I think. Um, <clears throat> it would have been you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've got the list here. Um, so Middle East, uh, the Gulf. Um, well, it's, I, I guess you'd imagine it to be a bit of a souk mentality. So I think it's sort of uh, endemic, I think, this um, tendency to want to negotiate things. And I agree that you, you tend to pitch a little bit higher than you need to, to um, 
uh, allow room for, for maneuver. But it does differ, though, because, uh, as I said earlier, there's a, there's a mix of nationalities. And I think uh, in Abu Dhabi, for example, you're probably negotiating with a business owner who comes from uh, Jordan or Lebanon, and their approach tends to be slightly more direct and harder nosed than perhaps it would be dealing with a Gulf Arab. The other thing to say is that very rarely do you get to negotiate face to face with the principal, uh, the owner of the business, particularly uh, if it's owned by a local Arab uh, from the GCC. So you'll be negotiating with a, um, a second, second ranking person who's quite prepared to say, I don't know the answer and refer. There's no sort of macho uh, negotiation because there's always a point of referral to the owner. And um, one, one of the struggles you have is that very rarely do people like to say no. So you go through this process of um, inertia when you're waiting for an answer. And it's just in the nature, just rather than offend people, they prefer to delay and defer. And actually, gradually, you'll get the message after a few weeks that actually it's probably a no to this. So, so you have to find a way of doing that. The, the only any other bit of advice I can give is if you do get to negotiate with the principal, um, you stand a better chance if you've got a strong relationship. Um, and I think this this is at the heart of building business in the Gulf. Is this? It's a very personal basis, and uh, and it doesn't happen quickly. And they hate hate people flying in and flying out trying to do deals. You've really got to be there and amongst them, and they get to know you. Which which in some ways makes it easier because you're negotiating on a personal basis, but they're quite apt, quite inclined to say to you, you know, I trust you, you're my friend, you know, you've got to give me a good deal. And if you think this is a good deal, and it sort of throws the onus back on you occasionally. And that sort of personal dimension is quite a difficult one to understand. But um, it, it's the longer you do it, the easier it gets. But it's, um, it's it's quite a fun experience really so what else can i say i think it's probably enough gendering patience mike is the thing isn't it patience i didn't i don't think i got my fair share of patience when i was born but um i know you've been very patient out there there's a few questions in the chat box but can i thank all our uh, all the guests that have come on uh, today as well in the usual way before we go to the questions thank you in the uh, usual way claps all around please thank you very much now um, I'm going to look at the questions and if anybody else wants to uh, throw a question in, put your hand up and I'll finish the interview in a minute and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll stay on. Um, but Nigel's asked a question, general question to the guest speakers, is there much difference when working with border, countries bordering different countries and companies? Uh, for example, Scandinavian countries share similar cultures, yet Finland is so different. Um, is there any sort of uh, large change in any countries that you've uh, you've been to, uh, uh, Gregor? Yeah, I would say that we have all the time some such an issues with Croatians. Yeah, so we are neighbors. Eighty percent of the Slovenians go to Croatia to the seaside, but we can never find an agreement. Not a political agreement and. All, all, all these other things also, yeah. but we have nothing against the Croatia and it's a beautiful country. And of course, opposite, they come to Slovenia for skiing, <laughs> but oh, politically wow. we cannot find a solution. That's interesting as well. Yeah. Um, and you, you kept out, you kept out of the dreadful war, didn't you, in the Balkans? You, did you manage to 
Came yeah, out. Uh, actually, these troops, uh, Yugoslav troops, came through Croatia to Slovenia, so they didn't stop them. They they allowed them to go to to Slovenia, so that was also one of the dispute. Not the dispute, but what I say, I would say, what is in the brains of Slovenia, which they will never forget. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some people, some people are leaving. Leave if you have to. Um, see what else we've got in the in the chat box. Um... John? Derek? John. Yeah. Derek, just with regard to uh, different countries, there's no better example than France. You go to the north, you hit Belgium. There are two nations in Belgium. One is French speaking, the other one is Flemish speaking. They're completely different in the way they negotiate. You go a little bit further, just 50 miles up the road, you hit Holland. Much harder uh, Flemish speaking negotiation. You go, okay, over the channel, we hit Great Britain and Ireland, another completely different form of negotiation. Go south and you get hit Spain, much more well-organized form of negotiation. A bit like the Portuguese as well, quite different from the French. If you go to south, uh, hang on, east, you hit Italy, a much more exuberant form of negotiation, quite different from the French. I haven't forgotten Switzerland, which is more uh, straightforward, organized. And then, of course, Germany, which is highly organized, rather hardball, very little emotion. And of course, you end up with almost say Denmark. And I'm not the expert there. There's nothing who can follow on from that. There. John, that's what I'm Thanks for that trip around Europe. I'm going to buy a rail pass uh, and uh, go around <laughs> Europe. And uh, But actually, I've noticed that's one of the things that people that uh, don't understand Europeans or particularly Americans come over sometimes and uh, not Tim or Ava that really do understand. They're, they're more transatlantic uh, than uh, any of us in a way. But um, sometimes they come over and I see there's a thing in the box about tipping. Um, and I've noticed I had to put a couple of American friends of mine right when they went into a bar in the UK and asked for a beer without saying please, because uh, bartenders uh, in America get big tips. You can make a lot of money, can't you? You can't make a lot of money as a bartender in uh, in the UK. If you want to get served, then you better be really polite and, uh, and nice. But uh, yeah lots of things there and uh, I remember uh, being uh, almost thrown out of a meeting John in uh, in Dusseldorf for being uh, two minutes late because that was a total insult to the Germans and we've flown all the way from Heathrow for a meeting uh, but there we are. Guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you to my guests for uh, joining us. There's a wealth of information there, a tsunami of information um, that uh, will be uh, put on YouTube and put on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I'll turn the recording off now. If you're watching this on YouTube or the podcast, please like it and um, stay on if you've got some more questions. Thanks very much to everybody.